Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Welcome, welcome. It's, uh, I wish I could see you, but I can't, but uh, I know that you can see me, and it's wonderful that you've joined us for this morning, and we have this time to share with one another. You know what I thought for this morning, because, well, so much of what is going on, particularly when you put on the news or read the newspaper or you talk to your family and your friends, it's all bad news or sad news or depressing news. I thought maybe we'd talk about something a little bit nicer, something simple, something uncomplicated, something, well, let's talk about love. <laughs> Seriously, let's talk about love. The uh, Torah portion for this morning gives us a window into a world that sees perhaps, well, not perhaps, I think, um, unarguably the most important idea that surrounds life, and that is love. The Torah portion for this morning of Tazriya Mitzorah, Tazriya in particular, introduces us to a component of how the world could see love. And so what I want to talk with you this morning are the different perspectives, perspectives, the different ways that we can see love. Now, we all see love in particular ways. And love is something that binds and carries us from our first moments in life, God willing, until our last moments. But the particular kind of love that I want to talk about, well, it's the love that exists outside of the family, but the kind of love that creates families. It's a love between a man and a woman. In the Torah portion for this morning, we read of, once again, one particular kind of love. The Torah, in beginning with the words, Isha ki tazri'ah, literally meaning, when a woman is seated. V'yaldala zachar, in which she gives birth to, well, in this case, it's a boy, but a child. And the language itself, I want you to think about the language. It says, when a woman is seated, it talks about the birthing process, the conception process, as this very earthy, this very natural, this primordial kind of evolutionary natural thing. I was reading an article a few weeks ago by the Israeli psychologist, Dr. Ayelet Kohen. In Israel, she's very, very well known. She had dealt with a number of heartbreaking cases of sexual abuse and other things in Israeli society. And in particular, she was writing about as a woman and a religious woman, the effect that birth had on her. She said that giving birth to a child was one of the most remarkable and profoundly life-changing events that she had ever experienced in her life. She said literally that giving birth to a child was the splitting open of her body and the bringing of the child out. She said that the birthing of a child brought her to the very highest points of human existence and also to the very lows of human existence. She said the hormones and the elation that she felt, the amazement that she felt at being pregnant and then giving birth to the child, all, and then afterwards, the depression and sadness that followed the birth, this post-mortem depression that she had, she said it was of another world, and it brought her to an completely different and deeper understanding of what not only it meant to be a human being, but more importantly, what it meant to be a woman. Now, I read this with great fascination because I am uh, fortunate to be a father to children. I deeply love my children. 
I was there at their moments of birth and I cared for them as young, young children. I changed diapers and I bathed them and I clothed them and I did all the appropriate kinds of carpooling. I did what a parent, I think, is supposed to do in life, particularly a loving parent. But after reading Dr. Cohen's article, I realized, of course, that as loving and caring, as nurturing as a father could be, as an important a role as a father has as a parent, that there was something in their birth that I could never actually touch. So when the Torah talks about Isha ki tazriya, when a woman is seated, not surprisingly, the link is something so natural. In other words, as the earth is seated, so too a woman is seated. And not surprisingly, that in the ancient Near Eastern world, the two, uh, called in Hebrew, trafim, the two kinds of idols that we overwhelmingly find in archaeological digs, not surprisingly, are idols that deal with the fertility of crops, and the second are birthright fertilities. That the sense of women and the earth being seeded is a constant and, uh, and repeating theme that we see in the ancient world the Torah for telling us the story about how this child is brought into the world, how the woman is seated by the man, this kind of very, once again, this biologic, this very kind of mechanical idea. The Torah doesn't tell us, though, about how the man and woman met. They didn't tell us the name of the child or what the child went off to do in their life. It only talks about birth, about bringing the child, the man and the woman being together, and conceiving a child. Okay, so that's the first perspective of male-female love. I want to share with you the second. The second, well, David Bowie wrote a great song about it. It's called Modern Love. The kind of modern love I want to talk about, well, about 20-something years ago, maybe the couple is watching as I speak now, about 20 years ago, a couple came to my office and uh, inevitably, one of the first questions I always ask a couple is, how did you meet? And normally, I get these remarkable stories about how couples bump into each other and then don't see each other and then see each other again. She makes a left turn, he makes a right turn, then eventually they both make right turns and they meet each other. Beautiful, inspiring stories about how people meet the person that they spend their life with. So I turn to this couple and I say, how did you meet? And they look at each other very uncomfortably. And I say to them, you don't have to tell me, but I'm curious. How did you meet? So they said, Rabbi, we'll tell you in one condition. And the condition is that under no circumstances at the wedding ceremony do you mention this. So I said, total confidence, I won't, don't worry. And they said, leaning forward in, whispering, Rabbi, we met on J-Date. Now, back then, 20 years ago, um, the internet, the sense of shopping online for a spouse was something that was otherworldly, that people didn't do it. The presumption was only the most desperate people in the world would turn on a computer and search for someone to get married to, or at the very least, to date with. But today we see, of course, that that is far from unusual and that there's an entire science and industry now 
literally a science of helping people find other people they want to be with. We call this the economics of love. For example, I hear people telling me that they're going to shop around to find someone to go out with. They tell me also that they're going to play the numbers game, meaning that if they date 20 people, maybe one of them would yield a successful relationship. And then when a relationship fails and they're single again, people say, I'm back on the market. That it's an economic perspective, that humans are commodities that, that are packaged, that we're presented. You look on these websites and people have these great intellectual existential arguments about the person they want to be and the person that they're looking for. Another element of romantic modern love is the romance. Now, the cantor and I well know because we spend a great deal of time doing weddings throughout the year. And we always remark to ourselves afterwards how the weddings are so disconnected from the real world. It's a, it's a romantic fairy tale. The men are in tuxedos. The bride is in a beautiful royal white dress. There's a train of human beings, processions that follow them. The night is filled with speeches that are laudatory. There's bands that are playing, food from beginning to end, and drinks and celebrations. And then the next morning wakes up, and it's all gone. And that the story of romantic love and the economics of love never bring us to the point of the day after. It never tells us what happens with the couple after they get married. They don't tell us what it's like or show us an insight of their life of going shopping for groceries, of paying their bills, of changing diapers, of raising a family, of struggling with all the quotidian things that people deal with every day. And so we could say that in modern love, we are obsessed with the story of finding, of searching love. And then in the Torah this morning is telling us what happens when we find love. That if the search for love is something that is filled with a cacophony of romantic, kind of idyllic notions of things that the way they could be, then the finding of love, the Torah tells us, is about bringing children into the world, about finding things that we can give ourselves over to, and finding things that we have to divest ourselves to give and invest in something else. One of the greatest challenges that love puts at our feet be it romantic love or be it the kind of love the Torah speaks about, be it the search for love or being in the finding of love, if love is going to be successful in any of those respects, it must be absolutely anchored on the idea of a person drawing out of themselves. It's the reason why love is so difficult. It's because we are naturally wired to think of ourselves the physiological evolutionary wiring we have speaks that I should only be concerned for myself. Because think about it, when you have a headache, nobody else knows that you have a headache or could look after it except you. You have to take the Tylenol. When you're thirsty, you're the person who has to drink the water. When you're hungry, you're the one who has to eat. That evolutionary wiring of focusing on yourself enables human beings to survive physically in this world. But the paradox is the things that enable us to physically survive in the world 
also stand to be able to destroy us emotionally. This idea of moving outside of myself is the great challenge that is before all of us. And the better we do it, the better people we become, and the better we are at finding and securing love, not just searching for the right kind of love, and not just finding the right kind of love, but holding on to the right kind of love in our lives. So the question that I began with this morning that I'll say to you is, what's more important in life? It is the search for love or is it the finding of love? And it seems to me the answer is that the search wouldn't be nearly as beautiful if the finding wasn't so precious. In our life, we should all be blessed with a beautiful search for the right kinds of love in our life, understanding first and foremost that it begins with ourselves. Shabbat Shalom.